Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Longbox Heroes, episode 528, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Now you have me doubting if I said Lamborghini of podcasts last week. You probably didn't. You're just learning to put certain things on the end of the Patreon show, so. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. True, true. But you know what? As long as I do it every two weeks, I think we're okay. Yeah. Lamborghini never replied to me, so I don't know. True, true. But I'll try to poke you with a stick each week to get it to get you to do it. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're opening the show, when the B team's opening the show. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm the anchor of the commentation station during the opening here. As long as you're not the new anchor, things didn't work out so well for him. Well, I'm just gonna say I'm the anchor because I'm weighing things down. <laughs> I was gonna say things didn't things didn't work out well for that entire promotion eventually, but uh, uh okay. <laughs> you brought it up, you. I did bring it up. I do like you know every once in a while. I don't do it often, but oh, I just <laughs> I can hear you mumbling. No, I just thought of a a horrible idea, but go ahead. Oh, good. What do we have to talk about on the show this week, Todd? I would say from a horrible idea to good ideas. Um, Oh, no. In the news, we have, you can't say that in a Marvel comic. Also, the return of a great segment that everybody loves, grading on you. And this time, this one's in the bag, Joe. (laughs) Also, we have con news. Well, news on cons, I guess. Also, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was both crossover number one and Batman 102. Also, what we're looking forward to this week, Todd's Art Attack and spoiler-filled talk of the second episode of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Look at me. I'm almost like a DJ radio. All I need to be able to do is hit the post and I'm good to go. I could... I could... um. When I edit the show, I try to uh, uh, artificially make us hit the post with the uh, opening of the show. Right. How do you do? Uh, there was one time where I was called out. I guess I did bad at the end post as opposed to the front post. Okay. And uh, somebody called me out on it in a joking manner. And you know how I take that? Oh, a gentle ribbing? You take it well every time, Joe. No, I, I, they, they meant it as a gentle rib, mm-hmm. um, and I can't swear on this show, but I, I took it as me doing a poor job of editing the show, and I was very upset with myself for about three and a half years over it. Wow, because just clock's getting still o- ticking. Just getting over it now. No, no, no. This has kind of reopened the wound. Oh, good. Uh-huh. I'm glad I've freshened everything up. Well, yes. let me. I know sometimes when you talk to me, it's hard to tell the salt from the wound, Joe. Uh, so you mentioned the news there uh, in regards to words you can't say no more. And is it on the list of seven dirty words that George Carlin said, or is it someone else who had a similar hairstyle that George Carlin had? I think it was someone else. I think it was Funky Flashman, Joe. <laughs> 
So is it um, so Stan Lee's POW Entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, ha- I guess, put a patent, a trademark, a trademark, I guess, on the word Excelsior, mm-hmm. which, you know, had been associated with Marvel Comics and in turn Stan Lee for both of their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, the I guess they renewed the tra- trademark this past August. Uh, several months after Stan's passing, of course. And uh, Marvel has kind of, you know, just quietly stopped using Excelsior in all of their comics. Right. And putting out the memo, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess, I mean, I, I, I'm of a mind that it's tough to to trademark certain things because like they're they're just words but if you put them in the right order i guess that that changes things but this is just one word but it was stanley's catchphrase it's like the same way marvel didn't marvel marvel copyright or trademark snicked um there was a bunch of character specific sound effects like snicked bamf that right that they uh trademarked Mm -hmm. so that you couldn't like, obviously, you could put out some sort of apparel with a person that looks like Wolverine and, like, artist interpretation. Um, you could say that's not Wolverine or that's not Nightcrawler or Thwipped for uh, uh, Spider-Man's uh, web shooters. I know some people would think it was Gusha, Gusha, Gusha. It is Gusha, Gusha, Gusha. It's not Gusha, Gusha, Gusha. Now, just for the record, is it Thwip or Thwipta? It's Thwip. With no T. With no T at the end. Oh, okay, just making sure. Um, gusha, so, gusha, gusha, spelled as it sounds. So Right. So I think they did that. So, like, you can't put something out that kind of sort of looks like Spider-Man, but close enough that it's not Spider-Man. And then you put Thwip on it, and that kind of lets people know that it is Spider-Man. Because I guess their logic with that is that that's just as recognizable as Spider-Man himself. Right. Thwip it. Thwip it good. But I'm I'm with you. Like I, on that, I, I I guess like, but like the Excelsior one, that's like Stanley's catchphrase, and I don't understand because wasn't Stan in a fight with this Stanley like company for yes. the longest time? Yes. So it's like real shady for them. I'm like, I'm waiting for enough said, and what was the other? Because you demanded it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I this one seems kind of like like petty and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that it doesn't work out because I think Marvel might have the bigger lawyers. I would go after it. Well, and that's the thing. Um, So technically the way that this is reported and filed and so forth, there's really nothing. If Marvel did continue to use it, there's really nothing POW entertainment could do. But Marvel is just like, yeah, we're okay. We don't need to use it no more. Uh, That seems, that doesn't seem, but doesn't seem like right like i think there's they're they're waiting they're waiting to strike like we're not going to use it now we're gonna get all our ducks in a row and then we will crush them mm-hmm. but um i know excelsior is is a word that like gets the fans riled up because i don't know if you remember did you ever see when donny cates occasionally would say it at the end of a tweet and like he got like he got bombarded. You'd have to go back. It was like, how oh, dare like comparing yourself to Stan Lee? Like that's his word. And he's like, no, that's like you know, just like I'm just paying honor. It's not like I believe I'm Stan Lee. Like there's just 
something about that word that I think riles the fan, the Marvel, the Marvel zombies up, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. That being said, uh, I have taken the liberty of uh, trademarking uh, fish math and when did blank become a business just to be on the safe side. And I figured you would have went straight for attention deficit criminals, too. Well, that one has already been tied up by uh, some other legal wrangling. So we're, I'm working on that one. Better get my cut, Sposto. <laughs> I'll have you be a talking head on the episode. I, you know what? I would come in and tell how the, the origin of attention deficit criminal. I watched an ECW show and said, look at all them attention deficit criminals. The end. Can I go now? <laughs> The, the only thing I would add was, instead of I watched an ECW show, I was <laughs> forced to watch an ECW show. <sighs> well, something else people were forced to do is, Reed Pop has rescheduled both Emerald City Comic Con and C2E2. Uh, C2E2 actually was the last convention uh, before the pandemic. It was right. like in the throes of the pan. It was like the week of the pandemic, if I remember, remember correctly. Right, because I don't have the date in front of me, but like ECCC was in March, and that's when I remember that's when we stopped getting comics, Joe. Right, so and I think this that year in like this year in particular, uh, C two E two typically was in April, but they had moved it to like that last week of February, first week of March. Right. Because it was supposed to be in conjunction with uh, an all-elite wrestling pay-per-view as well. Right. If you're going to move it, move it for the best. Well, maybe. But uh, Reed Pop has said that they have officially announced uh, the dates for those. And it's going to be December of 2021. Right. Not 2020, like some people. When I first came across my desk... And I saw it like it was one of those things where like you had sent it to me as I was getting ready to send it to you as I had saw people tweeting about it. And I saw people like, oh, uh, Chicago in December is going to be a treat for C2E2. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, are they moving it to this December? Are they that like, you know, like on that short notice and so forth? And then I saw the article. I'm like, oh, no, it's 2021. Interesting that they have not announced New York yet. Right. Well, if they're if they're pushing those to December, I don't think they'll have a New York Comic Con next year unless they're playing that one by ear. They got to see because they've, you know, in the news recently, they talked about like the possible like working vaccine. Like you can't you can't set that one in stone, but you can say possibly December of next year. That's the way I I was discussing this with Josh. And I'm like, that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I do have it on good authority um, for people that are kind of like involved in that sort of this sort of thing. That Broadway doesn't have anything scheduled until May of 2021. Okay. And Carnegie Hall just isn't doing anything until 2022. Okay, I know my Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square Garden show got pushed back to August the next year, 2021. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if that goes on. But the question that rattles around my mind is, what do you do with 2022 ECW? uh, ECW. See, you got me thinking about attention deficit criminals. Um, uh, Emerald City Comic Con and and, uh, 
Chicago again because they usually go on. Do you have another one in M- March and April or May or whenever they are, or do you are or is now uh, these two cons a fall one? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you do you run them almost back to back again, or is it so close to 2022 that you don't have one till 2023? Do you know what I'm asking? Does that I think tentatively these are just now the new dates for those conventions going forward they'll always just be december conventions i think that's a terrible idea well you know we're 13 months away from any sort of real decision being made Mm -hmm. regarding any of that even further still let's just say they run them in december and then slot them for 2022 back into their normal dates because typically Emerald City used to be mid to late March and C2E2 used to be mid-April. You just then for 2022 slot them back into their normal time frames. Granted, Emerald City is a little bit on top of itself with three months. But then maybe, you know, there's enough time in between for C2E2, Right. Right. And, but C2E2 has been weird because I want to say that because me and Josh were thinking about going to that. And then it comes around to that was like they've been running C2E2 in like February, early March. And we're like too big of a possibility to get snow in Chicago. I don't want to go. So like those two are really messed up when they happen anymore. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm just. I just want to go back to cons. I still have three pages in my sketchbook, three or four that I got to get finished. Um, and I don't know when that's going to happen. So, Well, you know, Todd, you mentioned that you have pages in your sketchbook. <laughs> do you have any window bags in your sketchbook? I do not have any window bags in my sketchbook. Well, Todd, I'm, I know you're uh, a big poster over at the CGC forums. <laughs> right. And I know that you have followed the nine-step instructions on how to window bag books yourself. Right, right. Of course, I would never stray from that formula. Right. Unless, Todd, there's got to be an easier way. Oh, I can't. I could just see me with bags like, oh, my God, they're just falling around me, me screaming at the sky. But is there an easier way, Joe? There is, Todd, because... CGC now sells their own branded window bags. Right. (laughs) So window bags are a necessity when getting your comic signed by an artist and CGC requires them for all of our hosted private signings. These window bags are specially designed to help keep your collectible safe from handling during a signing. It's a pack of 25 bags for $12.50 which is a steal at thrice the price. And <laughs> right. come with a large rounded window for each artist to sign without having to remove it. And they have a large non-adhesive flap wrap, patent pending, patent pending, to protect <laughs> the cover and the signature, as well as a non-adhesive top wrap flap, patent pending, patent pending, that helps prevent the book from sliding out of the bag. Right, right. Now, Todd, if that's not enough, CGC has on their official YouTube page a video promoting this. Of course, you got to show off the product, Joe. That's right. Um, And Todd, the only thing that I like more than videos on YouTube Mm -hmm. 
are the comment section on videos on YouTube. Oh, please do go on. Okay. So this gentleman, uh, I'm not going to incriminate anyone by saying there are gnome de plumes here on uh, YouTube. My main concern is when he slides the book over to his right, the artist in the video clearly has his fingers on the cover as it has a possibility to get fingerprint oil and knocking it down a grade. When making our own window bags, we only cut out what's needed, leaving the rest of the comic protected during signing. Another person says, in every example image you show in this video, there is, there is a signature outside the window. Doesn't it seem well, doesn't seem well thought out that you keep showing examples of places signatures wouldn't be to make, to be made in every example. I use some ultra pro signature bags with bigger windows and still had to cut them more to get the signatures ideally placed. Yep. Uh, Another person says the purpose of a window bag is to show the artist exactly where you want them to sign. In that respect, these bags are work worthless, meticulously thought out. Then there's a bunch of swears after that. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, you mentioned that the these bags fit modern and silver age books. No golden age option. People get low grade golden age books signed all the time. By who? They're all I passed away. Todd, I'm just reading the comments. Um, here's a question. What if you give the book to someone they want to sign a specific page inside the book? I gave my, my book to a celebrity. He signed, and again, I want to apologize. This person uses no capitalization, punctuation, or... <laughs> so it's a little difficult to read. Um... He signed the page in the book. How do you keep the artist celebrity from signing the page of the book you want to tell them? Any, I, I don't know why I read that one. That one was lost. I get um, what he's going for, but ooh, the syntax on that. Follow where I'm picking up. And then mm -hmm. we have um, a bunch of at least, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just say respectful comments about the young lady that hosts the video. Uh, things could have gotten uh, much darker than I would thought. So, Todd, it looks as though the fans of um, the CGC Opportunity have spoken another fantastic idea from the Brain Trust at getting your books graded. Right. I'm uh, I'm of the mind that like of like all the stuff that you that you that you rattled out there, like there's some guys that are like, you know, nitpicking and stuff like that. But of the idea, like in the CGC step by step guide, which I follow completely, I never veer from. They talk about like, all right, now if you have a, if it's a sketch cover, those big window bags work because you're like, oh, I want you to draw as, mu as much as possible. But the biggest sketch you can give me on my blank variants, like fine, right? So that's great. But now like when they give you the step-by-step, -step, they're like, if you want to sign here, you cut the bag and put blue tape around it so we know. That blows my mind because it's like, oh, I saw, I don't, if it wasn't for that blue tape, I wouldn't have know, known where to sign in that little hole in the bag, but whatever all that's just crazy it doesn't look like it is well thought out like you said because they just glance over the like spot where you want it signed but the 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 big part that i have is they're mandatory for mail off and you're getting signature series stuff so it's going to be slabbed and sent back to you right joe yep you're mopping what i'm spilling here now 
They ain't gonna CGC that book in a in a plastic coffin with the bag on it. What happens to those bags? I'll guarantee you they don't send them back to you. I no, they don't. They keep those bags. You say, you have to buy these to do our you know on site signature series stuff, and we're gonna keep them, and then we're gonna sell them back to you. That's the opportunity. That opportunities twice, Joe. So, uh, obviously, yes. So they, they mentioned in the description for purchasing these that when they, CGC, do their hosted signature events, you mm-hmm. have to buy these, right? Mm-hmm. And have them signed this way. Um, It's going to get to a point where they're going to make some sort of, I would assume, they're going to make some sort of distinction of a book that was a signature graded book done with their bags versus pre their bags existing. I see. I I don't know what you're going for. I think, I think maybe you might be misunderstanding some stuff. No, 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 no. So I do my signature thing where I exacto knife and painters tape the box where I want the person to sign my book. Okay. And I send that out to CGC to have that graded. Mm Mm-hmm. But then somebody else gets the same book and uses the official CGC bag to get the same book signed by the same person. Right. Which book do you think is going to have a higher priority in the world of CGC? The oh, one no. that The one that used their bag or the one that I made myself and didn't give them an extra cut of the money? Those are those are equal bags, man. They're equal they're equally are loved they? by, by CGC. I I are would they, totally believe not- that. What? Are they? Yes, because why would they? What? That would be wrong, Joe. What, Todd, would it be wrong? Sure. See, I don't know. I don't know if they if they would do that. They probably would, uh, allegedly. But um, I just look at it as as long. I, I'm wondering if they will make it that you can't make your own anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. So that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I'm like. That's also kind of where I'm leaning is is like, okay, we've introduced our own bags. Now, from this day forward, three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now, whatever, we will only accept CGC Signature Series in these bags. Right. I could... uh, It would depend. um, Because that's... Because I look at the signature series stuff and cgc like like we've said it before you don't get it i don't get it but it's like crack to people so how much would it hurt them i don't think a whole heck of a lot you know what i mean because people would want their signature series books and their sketch proof like whatever so could they should they do it no because it's not it's not you know i don't think it's it's that's shady. But could they do it? Yes. Would they do it? Probably. So right. I don't know. I'm going to stay on top of this. You know, I'm going to watch out every week to see how this goes. Right, because you've got a man on the inside when it comes to these sort of things. I do. I get I get stooged off on all of this. And I, as uh-huh. soon as I do, the email flies off to you. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And I like the ones that this person was sending me of his homemade bags. Oh, they're absolutely beautiful. And he says they're a pain to make. I can't imagine. Apparently. Because I can't, I they probably don't cut smoothly. And then putting the tape, putting the tape around the hole probably isn't easy. I don't know. It just seems 
it doesn't seem very elaborate. Right. It doesn't seem very glorious. Uh, well, over in the uh, show post uh, for this episode and all episodes, uh, you could find information about soon to be named network, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, any of the time the shows in the network go live, uh, you could find them there outside of their own individual feeds. Whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, After Dark, Pulse of Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling, and Wednesday Night War. Uh, I was on Wednesday Night War for their special episode Saturday night into Sunday morning, talking about the uh, AEW Full Gear pay-per-view with our good buddy Doug. And uh, that was uh, interesting, uh, good time. Just because typically with the way that Ad Odds is set up, I don't get a chance to, like, really dissect an entire pay-per-view. It's just like, uh, here's two or three things I like from the week, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely, if you haven't checked that out, check them out. DJ and Brett do a great show every week if you like the wrestling. Um, also, check out our local store, Comics on the Green. Uh, they do a brisk mail-order business. If you don't have a comic shop in your area or you don't have a comic shop in your area that does a brisk mail order business, um, you can definitely check them out. You can check out our friend Becky's Instagram page where she does a lot of original art that she's been working on. Um, It does not get included in Todd's Art Attack because a lot of times, one, we're not Instagram people. And two, when she does put it up on Twitter, she neglects to tag the account in it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I take that as a personal attack against you, not against me. So... Uh, trust me, she's attacked me plenty. So, <laughs> uh, so also over at the show notes uh, are the digital sales this week, and there's a ton. There's a bunch left over from the previous week, a bunch of new stuff. Uh, Marvel is having additional sales on Wolverine, Eternals, and Miles Morales stuff. Uh, Dark Horse is having sales on Hellboy stuff, BPRD stuff. And a book called Resident Alien Stuff. Uh, DC is having a sale entitled Back to the 90s. Ooh. And, uh, you know, um, if, you, if you're if you so inclined, um, you know, the Death of Superman stuff gets a bit of a bad rep. It's actually pretty good. Yep. And not as long as people think. It was very short, you know, compared to the way they drag stuff out in comics, you know, after that. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard a guy recently say it lasted a year. Well, that guy is probably wrong, right twice a day. Uh-huh. And you know, with a little fact checking, mm-hmm. uh, you could find out that he was incorrect. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> now, this is weird just because, like, they're in a hard, fast, um, like, 90s, right? So, like, Justice League, the Giffen Dematis era, Volumes four, five, six, and seven are included in this. There's a volume seven. Well, there's something in here that's called Justice League Corporate Maneuvers, which it's was not officially branded as seven. Oh, this is just the collections of Justice League Quarterly one, two, three, and four. Right. Yeah, that's not volume seven. That's not technically volume seven, but it's like included with the group, right? It's in the sale, right? Yeah. Um. Oh, you know what? Another good one that I'm seeing in here is there's that. Oh my goodness. Boy, DC had a lot of good comics in the 90s. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the first three volumes of Chuck Dixon's Nightwing is in there. Right. That's really good. 
Uh, the, the first two trades of Sandman Mystery Theater is in there. There you go. That's good stuff. Is um, Starman in there? So this is weird. There's only like one. It's I think just the first trade of Starman is in there. Okay. And I'm not sure why all of it's not in there. Should be. That should be. That should be like above Batman Year One right there constantly. Um. Hmm. So as I'm looking at like the bundled up collect, like the bundle. So okay. So here's the thing. Erg. As I as I grumble at this, okay. I think I I kind of know where you're going, but go ahead. So the only two trades of Starman that you can get on Comicsology are on sale. Okay, it's Night and Day and uh, Sins of the Father. Right, and they're probably not even in the. They they probably don't have all the issues in a row in those uh, books. Starman. Why? Outside of the sale, Todd, why is not all of Starman available, like, to be purchased as trades? Like, you'd buy all the single issues, all the single issues are here. They even have, like, the secret files and the, 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 like, the uh, the 80-page giant and the girl frenzy missed one shot, you know? Yeah, probably even the Shade Mini and... You know what I mean? They have all that there. So great. They have all the single issues. Why do you only have two of the nine or ten trades? Probably because, and I'm going to say this, probably because they did what you hated. Like they took all the uh, times past ones and traded them in one trade and they're not in the proper spots. If they had the Starman Omnibuy, which I have, they're in the... I never bought the trades because they were they were all messed up in the order. But the Omnibuy had them in their proper spots. So I, I get what you're saying, but I would go get rid of the trades and make the Omnibus the sales. They, because they're in the proper order. They don't have the Omnibuy either. Which is ridiculous. So when you go there, Starman is broken up as the, the series... Single issues, story arcs, or graphic novels. Single issues is exact, or single issues is exactly as it is. It's all the single issues, right? Mm-hmm. And then story arcs, they have sins of the father that you could buy it either as the like. It's a separate page. Here's sins <laughs> of the father. You want to buy the trade or you want to buy the single issues? Whatever's cheaper. And it's, and it's you know, the zero issue, it's zero, one, two, three, four, five, right? Right. And then there's the separate thing where it's, you know, here's the, here's the graphic novels that we have, the two. <laughs> I don't know. Todd, what why did the... I open up this can of worms for myself? Why do I, I do this to myself? I think I gave you the can opener, though, so I'll take a little responsibility. All right. Uh, Titan has a sale on Doctor Who books. Uh, whoever the publisher of Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, has stuff on sale. You know, like Broadsword or something like that? Yeah, it's real weird, because like usually when you go to like the sales page, it'll say like publisher, comma, book, right. comma, sale. Right. And it's not very clear. And then Image has sales on science fiction-related stuff, on Elephant Man-related stuff, and the creators of crossover stuff. 
Okay. And you are correct. Um, Broadsword is the publisher of Terra, Witch of the Black Rose. Strange that they don't have that in the header. Little nitpick, not as not as egregious as the Starman thing. Right, and Jim Ballant from nearby here somewhere. Yep. Oh, that's right. All right. Uh, so, hey, let's get into uh, what we read from this past week, eh? Okay. Uh, and I think the book that we are both most looking forward to coming out this week was Crossover Number 1, uh, written by Donnie Cates, with art by Jeff Shaw. Yes. So I gave a little bit of this book away to Todd last week as he did not know what was going on with this. Mm -hmm. So the pitch of this book is, what if comic books existed as you and I know them, but a giant crossover battle that happened in a crossover crossed over into the real world and caused lots of massive damage. Right. And was still going on years later. As far as they know. As far as they know, because the city of Denver has been walled off. Right. Now people who are into comic books are technically pariahs. Uh, the government is trying to push their non-superhero agenda with war and cowboy comics. <laughs> um, and amidst it all is a love story and, you know, maybe an outsider who kind of got through. Um, so I had very tenuous expectations for this book. Right. Going into it, like uh, when I say expectations, like of what the story was going to be. And I loved it. I thought it was great. I have to say, this might be the, my favorite book I read all year. Really? Oh my goodness! I my went brains. in with I went in with no expectations. I read this. I thought now it has a near and dear like uh, to my heart kind of thing because I'm a comic book fan. But like the whole thing, the ramifications of the giant crossover battle in Denver, and people don't know, and like the idea of what it would do to collecting and like the little like nods and stuff like the name of the comic shop that they're in, that they only show in one panel. I was like, I don't know if that the title is true or not, but it feels like it and everything that's going on. And then kind of the way they uh, like at one point in the book dictate what people from the cartoon, the comic book universe look like. Um, is so awesome. And when they do a reveal with that, I marked out because it reminds me of comics of my, my heyday and like the whole idea of like these, these, these characters that they were getting the bits of the pieces of the story. And I could see how maybe it, it all comes together. And then they drop, like the book is like, all in all, the book is going to be about this feeling. And here's the here's the doodle that the, the the person draws, and I'm like, that's the best way. I kind of got goosebumps right now thinking about it. I'm like, just everything they did without get, and I'm not even me saying it. The, the in the book giving too much away because they can't do certain things, but they did them anyway is like absolutely amazing. The art in is is in fa fantastic. The story's fantastic. I, I do not want to set too high of a bar for this. I do think if you're obviously every if you're listening to this, you're a comic book fan. Um, that adds f flavor to it. But 
I don't know. Just this is why I I read comics. This book right here. Yeah, I love crossover. Um, I didn't want, like I said, I didn't want to give that glowing of a review, but I'm glad that you did, so I could piggyback on it. I thought this was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. This is also also this is a concept that I'm practically shocked no one has ever thought of before. Right. Um, th- like this just seems like too easy of a concept that someone would have done like dozens of times before, or maybe people have attempted it dozens of times before and done it poorly. And that's why no one knows that it happened or cares that it happened. If that makes any sense. Right. It's like the fast aging ninja Spider-Man kid story. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Nobody knows. Like, you know, it can't be bad if nobody knows about it. Right. And right. I don't know if you noticed as well in the credits for this, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, Mark Wade has a story edit credit. Oh, really? Yes. Um, and I don't want to say that this feels like um, <laughs> a Mark Wade thing. And I, I've avoided anything really about this, but I could definitely see that this is something, some idea that Donnie Cates had and went to Mark Wade and said, hey, can you make sure I didn't mess this up? Right. Do you have any input, Godfather? <laughs> right. Um, so that like that's just like such a like a cool little thing to, you know, go to the guy that probably knows the most on how like something like this would work when it comes to comic book stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I get such a kick about is, you know, obviously during the course of the book, there was a lot of people tweeting about it if you saw it. Um, there's the, uh, the low Baptist website, right? Um, which is just a ruse spoilers, everyone, where you can buy, uh, Donnie Cates's merchandise, including a bunch of stuff, uh, that was inspired by this very book itself. Right. Uh, including the pull quote from Todd McFarlane that just says kids love chains. Right, that's a great quote, by the way. Um, and as as someone much like my co-host, who may have spent about an hour or so intimate time with Todd McFarlane this past weekend. Oh, so good. <laughs> but uh, I just I just want to throw out there that if this comic book had been made twenty years ago, John Goodman would be the priest. As I was always looking at the Reverend in this book, it was John Goodman. And did you see the super secret unknown variant cover to number one that that was sent that was slipped in with the other ones, Joe? Uh, I was trying to look at it. And I couldn't tell the difference between the two covers. They looked almost identical to me, unless there's something wrong with me. There is something wrong with you. Now look at it, like f- try to find it again. The comic the kid's holding Okay. Doesn't have the cover of the cover you're looking at. It has the variant cover on the cover of that little comic. Okay. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Does that make any sense? It does. The, the cover of the, the the kids holding is different than the one of the main cover, and I think that's brilliant. I think that's brilliant and dirty pool all in the same like breath because it's like, oh, that's really cool that they literally slid. A, a comic in there that retailers didn't realize was a variant, but then I didn't get it, so I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
how will I put this in a CGC bag and have it signature series by Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw if I don't have the good cover, Joe? I'm looking here for it. Oh, hang on. Because I have my copy at my fingertips, you know? I have my copy at my fingertips right here, and I don't I don't have the one, so I was upset. I see now. So I see that's some dirty pool there, but I like it. Right. Now you want that copy, don't you? Because it's gonna be nah. worth more. It's gonna be worth more, Joe. Nah. It was worth the, like the idea. it was worth the three ninety nine I paid for it. I had an enjoyable time reading it, and I hope other people read it as well. I think it was worth more than the three ninety nine I paid. Image having a strong uh, third quarter here with this and Department of Truth, you know. Um. Yeah. Technically, wouldn't it be a fourth quarter? Fourth quarter. That's what I meant. There you go. Right. Hey, Todd. It's been a weird year. It has been a weird year, and I know your your football terms aren't up to par anymore. So. No, you know, like your fiscal quarters. I'm not talking about your football quarters. Oh, football. I thought we were talking about football, your favorite sport. No. And or entertainment. It's neither. Right. Uh, something that is entertaining, though, back on track, uh, is Batman 102, uh, written by James Tinney IV, with art by, and again, I don't have it right in front of me, and the DC website is specious as best. Right. I think I'm I gonna have, go fill out that thing from last week about being in charge of this sort of thing. It's Carlo Pagulian. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. I have I I have my copies at my fingertips when we do this. You always hear me hear rip the tape before we start recording. Right, because they have the uh, inker uh, Carlos Deanda listed only on the DC website. Okay. And they don't have a writer listed. Everybody knows. Right, you, you know at this point. Uh, so this is the introduction and possibly secret origin of a new Batman villain entitled the Ghost Maker. Mm-hmm. Who is here in Gotham City to fix the mistakes that Bruce has made uh, by allowing Clown Hunter to run amok. Yeah, that's 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 succinct. No B story really in this. This is very straightforward, straight ahead. Unless you count the B story as the flashbacks of them both getting their training at the same time and competing for like the best knives smith or whatever off the right. streets of wherever. But it's like a div it's not like as we describe it, we're not, you know, gonna give too much away. It's a competition, but not in the way that you think it would be. Like it's a, it's slightly different. I like the, the the twist they put on it, and that apparently they had a a gentleman's agreement, and that's why we've never seen the Ghost Maker in Gotham before. And right. now because of the way Bruce is doing things, he thinks it's all messed up, and he's like, "Agree." I do believe we'll get the agreement at some point. We haven't gotten it yet, um, as to why he's like, "Now I can show up in the city," and I'm like, "Um, I'm, I'm." interested and i'm actually like this was interesting because we got to see you know uh barbara as oracle now like because they mentioned in 100 that she was going to be oracle and i i like barbara as oracle you know in the clock tower and that was kind of cool and just like little things like um like here's here's this bar that i keep open because i know when i have to bust heads about a certain thing that i just make a beeline for this bar and i'm like 
like like Tinian just doing logical things in the story just makes the stories always work more for me. So uh, yeah, like I like I always say, Batman is a pretty okay book, Joe. I may have have to defer to friend of the show uh, Ryan who tweeted us regarding how um, Barbara was treated in Three Jokers in regards uh, to his feelings on this. He ended up, me and him had an interesting conversation in DMs. Ryan's a good dude. I've known Ryan for a long time. And we ended up agreeing in a roundabout two different ways. If you know what I mean? Like we yep. both came to the thing. It was basically without without giving anything away. It's just the fact that, you know, he the, the that it seems like their go-to move is to put Barbara in a relationship with everybody in the Batman family. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But, you know, Jason... That didn't happen, you know, so it's like weird. It's it's right. It didn't happen because like whatever three jokers mm. is. And if the editorial mandate is that she has to be in a relationship with someone in the Bat family, you don't get as tenuous uh, to the fringes of the Bat family than Jason. Right. And Jason was more. Pro- and I like the idea that it was not reciprocated. It was Jason projecting. Mm hmm projecting a relationship and she's like yeah no you know like so i i that it was slightly different but i get i honestly said i get your point of view i do but i like it because of this and in the end which is weird joe on social media we had a civil discourse and agreed to disagree on some things and then agreed on others it was wild Well, we can close social media now that this has happened. This That's is not right. what social media was intended for. You broke it, Todd. <laughs> I did break it. Uh, that being said, do you think that the plan here is to revert, and I say revert in whatever way you want, Barbara back to being Oracle full-time? Or do you think this is a thing where she kind of like is Oracle sometimes and Batgirl sometimes? I I think... You'll have the best of both worlds, mm-hmm. but I think because they like Robin and, and Nightwing, um, it's like there's so many possibilities to be Batgirl that, like, with Cassandra Kane and all the I, I don't know all the Batgirls at this point anymore. Um, but like Robin, you we don't want to have the main one because they're also equally as known as these other characters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can make night. Like you don't want to revert Dick Grayson back to Robin or Barbara back to Batgirl because you have lesser characters who are only known as Batgirl and Robin. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll get, we'll give them the rub by making them Batgirl and Robin. And Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon can handle themselves and actually, in some places, are even better known as Nightwing and 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 Oracle. I know that's a long way around, but that's that's the way I look at it. I get you. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Batman 102 was good. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we read this week or what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, uh, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them in trade, whether you get them sent to you already in your signature bag, be forewarned, <laughs> be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. 
Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And Todd is still in the lead with two correct guesses over me. Uh, but he is going first. Uh, and we'll see how this goes. Right. Um, just because I just have a question. That, not that I think that this is the book you're looking for. Amazing Spider-Man 52. What does the LR stand for? So they are currently doing, and this is something that they've done in the Spider-Man books, is this is how they could like double dip and do like two to three books a month. Right, with that Craven la- that story that they did? They did this with Craven, and then this is in the midst of the last right storyline, where uh. these dot .LR books are kind of from, like, the villain perspective. Right, like, the way a the little lizard. bit of origin stuff, or whatever villain is in the, act- the book that's corresponding with it. Oh, okay. See, I thought it st- stood for Amazing Spider-Man 52, Larry Roker, my brother, but it wasn't. No. So, yeah, I had no idea what that was. Um, but I'm going to say that's not the book you're looking forward to most. Is the book you're looking forward to most the Punchline Special number one? Yes, and I think that's the book that you're most looking forward to coming out as well. Yes, I, it's also the book I'm looking forward to. Yep. So the resolution, or at least the next chapter in whatever um, Punch and Judy, uh, Harley Quinn done right, what do they call her? <laughs> uh, uh, Joker's Daughter. Joker's daughter done right. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, uh, it's written by Tinian. It's a special. It's, you know, whatever they're going to do with that. I'm sure we'll, you know, whatever, you know, the Joker's War thing. This, I'm assuming, is going to be a little bit more of an epilogue there and how they're going to work her into future storylines. And uh, again, she wasn't like the next Deadpool, which is like what, what they were probably hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but. Maybe this is the story that makes her the next Deadpool. But, I mean, I think we did agree a while back, like, she's way better than I thought the character was going to be. Oh, for sure. They, they right. actually and gave her, like, um, dimension and depth. Yep, I totally agree. And I do, Now, it's tough to say the next Deadpool, the next Harley Quinn, because, like, they're at the pinnacle of, like, right now comics like you know what i mean like because harley quinn kind of rode that crest for a while i mean there's there's no higher mountain than batman i'll always say that but deadpool's up there so is harley quinn but i see a lot of potential in in punchline i really do i see potential in punchline i'm sure somebody at dc warner editorial sees a lot of potential in punchline but that being said they're looking for a character that's going to break out and cross over, pun intended, as opposed to a book that's going to resonate and be thought-provoking like crossover. Does that make any sense? I don't think they're looking to do that, though. Well, I don't think they are. I definitely think, like, images. But right. I think, like, you and I are not looking for, like, who the next hot character is going to be, but more so looking for, like, the next hot idea okay for us i get what you're saying but i am always on the lookout for the next cool character so i get what you're saying but i do like uh like quality quality over coolness if that makes any sense Uh, like i said i think in a different world in a non-pandemic world there would have been punchline costumes available for sale for halloween I would disagree on that because it's only there. I believe there would be, but it wouldn't be mass marketed because the comics are so niche, even though Batman is the highest selling comic, like, you know, right now, I think, but it would have to take 
the way Harley Quinn costumes became more popular after the Suicide Squad movie. Movie or TV show, then Punchline will be the next big thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, a scintillating discussion about walls and pens this week. <laughs> um, also, you can check out our store link where you can purchase uh, shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on them. Uh, if you want even more fancy items, everything from fleece throws to cell phone covers to tablets with those fancy logos and more fancy logos inspired by this show inspired by at odds with wrestling final wrestling place uh you could click the link to our t public store there or thanks to ken cannon he beat me to the punch just because i was a little bit lazy tinyurl.com slash longbox heroes will take you to the t public store as well and there is a sale going on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 35 percent off everything. Oh, cool! Uh, also, you could sign up for our Patreon, or at the very least, you can go to our Patreon, even if you're not a member, and you can get two bonus shows from Todd and I for as little as a dollar a month. Um, get them two weeks before everyone else, plus After Dark before everyone else, for five dollars and up a month. But you could be part of Decision 2021, where you decide what the movie project part of the Patreon is going to be next year. Um, If you listen to After Dark this week, uh, we kind of put a little bit more thorough explanation at the end of After Dark. Uh, The file itself already exists over on Patreon for free. Like I said, you don't need to be a member of our Patreon, but you need to have like a Patreon login to vote in the post. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, one more way that you can assist us um, is by making any and all of your purchases as the holidays come upon us. Uh, I'm like 35% done with my Christmas shopping already. I have yours. Uh, no comment. And I know that uh, that's all you care about is whether I have yours or not. So eh, I don't care about that. No comment. Um, but if you make any and all of your Amazon purchases through our click-through um, over at longboxheroes.com, there's a banner for Amazon across the top of the page there. Does not cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I didn't stumble this week like I did last week. Right. Uh, some, of, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include... Somebody purchased a Bluegrass Christmas. Wasn't me. Somebody purchased the Infinite Game, which is a book, a Kindle edition book. Never heard of it. Somebody purchased the Nerf N-Strike Elite Strong Arm. Ah. And I will say this, having a kid who used to be really into Nerf guns and not so much these days, it's quite the... uh, opportunity that nerf has over there todd because they're on a cycle of about every four to five years where they'll just take an existing gun give it a new paint job and put a new name on it ah that's an interesting opportunity i know cats love nerfs Mm -hmm. oh 
So do veterinarians. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, somebody purchased Alphabet Squadron 1 and 2, which are continuations of the Star Wars Expanded Universe Kindle novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody purchased two adult face baklava butterfly print bandana mouth covers in, according to the Amazon description, styles B- minus and E-. minus. Wow, those are my fav- favorite minus letters, Joe. Yes. Uh, those are not the characters on the uh, face masks themselves. They're, they, even though it says butterfly in the description, they look more like dragonflies to me, but I failed entomology in school. Right. And somebody, Todd, also purchased, and I think you may have had a hand in this, volumes one, two, three, four, five, and six of the Giffen Dematis era Justice League I'm assuming digitally. Yes, I'm. I'm guessing that I was the one because someone, I, well, by the name of uh, Justin Altman, I think is the last name. I'm pronouncing it right. Hopefully, uh, contacted us through the DM of the the show Twitter and asked about the book, the JLI book that we constantly talk about. And I was like, well, let me look into this. And Joe, wouldn't you know, um, the whole run uh, has never been fully traded, and they're missing like like certain issues of specials and stuff like that. But I think of the justice league proper book, like international, which by the way, changes names three times. So he was confused about that. Um, they have all the issues, but they don't have the specials and annual. I don't know. Um, so basically it was just like, Hey, try these, you know, I didn't think he was going to buy all six, but thank you. Um, I was like, these are the six that trade everything that they have. And it's up to a certain point. And then if you like it, I'll look into seeing what I can do digitally for you. After that, I can't guarantee anything because I don't. Shocking. We don't control, you know, the digital publishing arm of DC. But uh, I I really hope he enjoys them because, you know, I feel like we we sent him down that path, Joe. So I hope you if we can get anyone to read some of the best comics in the history of the world then by all means, let's do it. Right. That's what we started this for, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just to have an outlet to talk about comic books. Right, right. So... Do you have any art attacks this week? We did. Rebecca, uh, Rebecca's art sent in another piece from the uh, character sketches that she was doing last week. This is the full body with the wings spread wide, uh, the horns, you know, like all that stuff. That she added more detail because, like, the boots look more detailed. But once again, I love the style of these figures, and I'm still trying to figure out who it reminds me of. But I'm having, I think, I smell burnt toast because I can't think straight right now, Joe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I can't figure it out. But when I do, I'm going to yell. You're going to yell it from the mountaintops. Uh, So like I said, it's another sketch of the character from last week. And obviously you and I are neither manga people, but I think we're savvy enough to kind of see some manga inspiration when we when we know it Mm -hmm. or see it. Uh, I definitely get a lot of saga influence, of course. Okay. That's fair. That's a fair assess. A fair assessment. Yes. He said like he know what he was saying. And uh, as I always like to know, like I was like, and again, I, I never want to say nitpick, but the things that really stand out to me on something like this 
is the detail specifically on the coat, the boots, and the scarf. Right. Um, I agree. Especially if I if I attempted to draw something like when I see someone draw something, and to them perhaps it was very easy, whether they are someone who is a trained or a well practiced artist, and it looks like the most confusing thing that if you said. I'll give you a hundred dollars if you could replicate this. I'd be like, well, just throw that hundred dollars away because I just physically can't do it. Like my mind to my hand doesn't work that way. Does that make any sense? Yes. There was a brief time in my like high school years that I thought I could draw, but it didn't happen. Like I might have a notebook around here with like some some art in it, and I'm like, eh, no, I'm no good. So I get what you're saying. I did a lot of attempting to ape, not trace, but ape um, pinups and image comics Ooh. in my high school days. Ooh. Oof. And there was a Spawn one that wasn't done by McFarlane. It was done by someone else. Right. Um, that was the one where, where I did it. Uh, I didn't color it. It was just pencils and ink. And I looked at it. And obviously, like, it was in a, like, a college-ruled notebook versus, like, the size of a comic book. So, obviously, not traced. It was me just attempting to ape the design and the layout and everything else like that. And I looked at it, and I'm like, it's, that took a lot of work, and it's never going to get better than that, which is a fair assessment approximation of what a professional did. I think I'll just keep reading these as opposed to trying to draw them. I'm with you. I, like I said, I had one or two good ones, um, uh, where, where I was like, okay, that's kind of nice, but nah, I'm not going to do it. And I did, I'm, I'm going to see if I could find one. Uh, there was one that I put on Twitter a while back. So if I could see it, it'll be out there. But, uh, if I don't, then I, I didn't find it, but anyway. Right. So don't be like us burgeoning artists. Don't give up. Keep at it. Um, you know, that's part of the reason why Todd's Art Attack exists, one, so people can kind of share the cool stuff they have in their collection, but also to kind of share with the rest of the world cool stuff that you, listeners of the show, have done, worked out, or otherwise. Yep, found it. Be retweeting it in a minute. But anyway, go ahead. So I think that's it for the main show until we get into a discussion about The Mandalorian, huh? Yeah, I believe so. All right. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to uh, Longbox Heroes episode. Too much stuff on the website. 528. We bid you adieu. And then we're going to get into some discussion of uh, episode two of season two of The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next. There we go. Okay. Uh, so remember last week's episode where I said, hey, it seems like that baby Yoda ain't doing much of anything in this uh, in this episode. He's just hiding and making noises, right? Right. Well, he does a bunch of stuff in this episode, and it's mostly eating eggs. <sighs> do we want to cover that now, or do you want to get some of the plot out? Because I have a big, <laughs> I have a big thing with the egg eating, Joe. <laughs> no, we'll get to the egg eating later. So okay. uh, Mandalorian is still continuing his quest to find more Mandalorians uh, in the galaxy. He is tasked with a quest uh, to find one by Amy Sedaris, whatever her Star Wars character is. I don't know. <laughs> right. It's Amy Sedaris. Um, 
and she's uh, playing some sort of gambling game with a living, pre- like a giant, like human-sized praying mantis mm-hmm. uh, at the cantina. Like they replicated the cantina from the real Star Wars, the first one. You know, wasn't it in one of the episodes though last season? Uh, if it was, I don't remember, but like this one, they kind of lingered a bit more. Right. Because I remember, cause the, the bartender droid in the cantina, which is a great nod is the droid that scolded R2 in Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. You know, the one with the weird voice is like, you know, oh, like, and then they show the, the, the droid upside down burning his feet. Cause I always love the fact that the cruel people in the star Wars universe design their robots to feel pain. Never but only that. at their feet, apparently. Right. But uh, so he's there. But I thought I saw him last season in a cantina. But either way, it is the cantina. And I was constantly looking for the blaster shot where, you know, because Han didn't shoot first. Everybody knows that. Mm. Did, was there the scorch mark on the wall? Did we see that? I couldn't find it during the show, but I read somewhere that in the production art that they always run in the credits at the end that I actually watch because I really like the art um, uh, that that Amy uh, Sudeikis or whatever her name is, uh, she was sitting next to a blaster shot. So I'm wondering if it was just in the episode and I couldn't find it. Gotcha. So the she gives the information, Amy Sedaris... But to do so, um, Mandalorian has to transport the Frog Lady, who's in the credits as Frog Lady. She doesn't even get, like, a cool, funky Star Wars name, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess in the subtitles, whenever she talks, the subtitle says Frog Lady speaking frog, apparently. Right. Because this, this was another one where I'm like, oh, i got to make sure I watch with the subtitles on. Just make sure I don't Im- miss any important frog plot items. <laughs> right. But this time they they button hooked me and there was none. Right. Um. They do that for the sand people too. The, the the Tuscan Raiders. The Tuscan Raiders just make Tuscan Raider noises. They don't get translated anyway. Right. Um. Has to transport her and her cargo of her eggs to her husband. And while on the trip, they can't go to warp speed because it'll like jostle the eggs too much. Right, Picard. It's hyperspace. Get it right. Anyway. They've gone to plaid. <laughs> right. Um, that being said, Mandalorian is accosted by two uh, uh, X-Wing fighter types of the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have the proper clearances. I guess transporting a person is bad? Um, I forget what they... They did say where he was going through, and he didn't have the... Cer- like, because he's hiding, yeah. he didn't have his transponder on. And they were like, well, turn it on. He's like, well... It's not working. He's like, well, we'll wait. Like, get it up and running. And he's like, oh, I found it or whatever. So that's what made it shady was like that he was like, oh, I'm not going to turn on the transponder. It wasn't that like they were just, they check on people and they're like, oh, you're you're not coming up with the information of your ship. And Mm -hmm. then I did like the scene where he's like, "Uh, I'm working on it. And then you hear the two like X-Wing pilots just like, go to channel two. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like oh that's not good and then he's just looking like out the windows and you see the i don't know if you know this the s foils go into attack position joe that's never good and i kind of marked out i was like that's just so cool because like you know it's coming and then he does his thing and he runs for it 
And my favorite, favorite, favorite thing about this is like he does all his fancy flying, but then goes through the clouds and just shuts off the engines or whatever. So it drops like a stone. And I love the fact that he's just, you know, doing what he does because he's got to. But Frog Lady is losing her ever-loving mind. And through the whole scene during the plummet, she just screamed her head off because we've become too accustomed to these space flights that, like, just a mother who's transporting her, you know, children isn't used to plummeting out of the sky. And I was like, I really like this, this whole scene. I thought it was done very well and the effects and everything. Yep. So they crash onto like a, I don't know if it's specifically Hoth, but it's definitely like some sort of an ice planet. Well, they only have so many types of planets you can use. So it's another ice planet. Right. They crash. The engine goes out. Mandalorian's trying to uh, uh, fix that. And boy, Todd, I tell you, that baby Yoda, he sure loves eggs. And uh, that wakes up the uh, giant spider invasion that's inside there. And uh, that was really cool. They make it out. The X-Wing people say, like, hey, what you did was bad, but we looked up who you are, and you did a bunch of good things, so we're going to let you slide this time. Do what you got to do. The end. That was kind of the weirdest part for me, because I was like, yeah, like, you did help one of our colleagues by saving his life, one of the guards, but you did let somebody escape, so we're going to let you have a free pass. I was like, I don't know if I buy it, you know what I mean? But I'll take it. Um, second of all, I did love the face hugger eggs. I mean, spider eggs on the ground. And second of all, Yoda with his egg loving, when he eats the, the frog ladies ones, I lost my mind because man, life begins when you drop your eggs in the incubator, Joe. And I was just like, just like the whole Joe, like the whole, I get the idea of the gag, but I felt really bad for the mother who was like, yeah, my husband went off and he's starting his whole new life on this planet. And this is my last of the brood. And we want to raise our, our kids and everything. And just baby Yoda's just popping his mouth like Tic Tacs. And I'm like, like, I don't know, maybe the mother would know how many eggs she had. Uh, I, I just, it was just to me, I was like, in the end, I'm like, baby Yoda, you're, you're Sith. I know it. There's no way you're not Sith that you're eating this lady's kids. So, I well, he is a he is a baby, right? Babies and do. he doesn't listen to reason, and he's just going by his impulses. And boy, he really loves eggs, mm-hmm. frog eggs, spider eggs, any sort of eggs he can get his mitts on. Well, don't forget he ate a frog too in season one. Yeah, I'm wondering if frogs are his people's main dish. But I'm also saying, like, this is Todd thinking, like, this is almost like a Joe nitpick. I'm waiting for him to eat something in this world of worlds that's going to hurt him. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Because, like, they, we, we establish in every alien sci-fi franchise, it's like, am I allowed, am I, am I okay to eat that? Like, because different creatures can eat, are poisonous, to, like, foods are poisonous to other creatures. So I'm waiting for to stuff something in his mouth and just, like, keel over and, like, just grab his stomach, like, oh. And I'll be like, right. okay, because, like, you I, learned your lesson, you know? I get eating a living thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And I get eating this frog lady's eggs. I don't agree with it. But I get him doing that. But once he starts eating those violent face hugger spider eggs, right? Who's to say that doesn't lay eggs inside Baby Yoda? That is true. That is true. 
But I did, I, and, and, and I have to give credit to the people who did the whole episode of the idea of, like, as the night goes on, Mando's armor frosting over more and more. Like there was a lot of little things, but the one that I have trouble with is the fact that, uh, like how much you how much you can bust up a starship and it'll still fly. I'm with my like, eh, like maybe you got to take that to a garage. It's not like a car, you know. <laughs> like, uh, I assume through, you're flying it through space with that, you know. Well, basically, what I'm saying is, it's like here's my thing. I've crashed it. The engines don't work. Half my panels are off. I'm shooting fluids out of everything. But you know what? I got this thing that makes sparks, and it's gonna make me give me the ability to fly. Like if I flatten my tire, I need AAA to come <laughs> and help me out. You know what I mean? Maybe so I, Mando's good enough that he knows how to fix these things. I get you. I just, I just at the point. What point won't it fly? You know, and he put it back together once Jawa stripped it pretty darn quick in one episode too. <laughs> it's like, all right, like I get it. The Razor Crest is kind of cool. I get it, but I like the episode. But uh, you know, maybe next time we can go back to not as much Baby Yoda. See, you were complaining. And now you got all the baby Yoda. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, how about some less baby Yoda? You, you, no matter, there's not going to be the perfect amount of baby Yoda for you. It's not. You're just going to complain. It's too little. It's too much. It's never going to be just right. Well, again, we can go in between nothing and this. And see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. And you'll let me know from there. Yeah. Now, from now on, for the next, what, six episodes, I'm going to be like, too much baby Yoda? Too little right. baby Yoda? Or just the right amount of Baby Yoda. We'll have the Baby Yoda monitor. Right. To see how much Baby Yoda was in here and was it enough, too much, not enough, or just right. Right. Now, I know, obviously, the marketing blitz is on for Mandalorian 2. And there's all sorts of, or you know, Mandalorian and Baby Yoda type merchandise out there. And I said that there's a Baby Yoda cereal or whatever it is. Right, and it's not frogs or eggs, so I'm saying this opportunity to not have like like America's best egg company or whatever the name of the egg oh. company is, not to throw like a Star Wars sticker on there, and people are like, <laughs> what, the, what the hell is Baby Yoda on my eggs? And then they watch episode two, and they're like, oh, oh. and then there's a rush on eggs to the store to everyone to go get their collector's things of Baby Yoda <laughs> eggs. Oh, I'm going to get my Baby Yoda egg bags that have windows in them so you can get them signed by CGI Baby Yoda. Or just the little or, or just the little baby doll that they pick up that seemingly has like no weight to it whatsoever. Uh, that, yes. Or the one that just slogs through snow kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. So, magically, I'm not sure how he does it. Well, force is magic. Oh, so I was <laughs> I was watching this episode of The Mandalorian, right? Mm -hmm. And it was the part where, like, I, maybe they were doing the recap of the previous week or whatever it is. And my wife walks in. She hasn't watched any of this yet. You know, it, it's you got to pick and choose the stuff that she watches. Mm -hmm. I think she'd enjoy this. But she goes, <laughs> she goes, that's that baby Yoda, huh? I go, yeah. She's like, don't he use the force or something? I go, oh, sometimes. He's just a baby. He gets tired if he uses it too much. <laughs> Can't expect his baby yeah, Yoda to be... Watched. And she just left the room. Uh, what'd you say? I'm sorry? <laughs> she said, yeah, you keep watching. And then just left All the right. room. 
You tell her Baby Yoda can't just whip out the magic hand at any time. He's tired. Go sleepy time, Yoda. That's right. He's a sleepy baby. That's right. Has uh, has have we had the no? We haven't had an episode yet where Mandalorian has to like change Baby Yoda's poopy diaper. No, he j- he's just gonna whip it out of the hole in the in the Razor Crest now. Yeah, that's true. And then just hits off the cockpit of the X wing, following him. Oh, did that ship just throw Baby Yoda excrement at me? Oh, attack that, formation. Yeah, put S foils in attack formation. That's my X-wing fighter impersonation, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> I and I do like that. Like the X-wing fight, like the X-wing pilots in this were like two dumpy dudes. <laughs> right. One of them, I think, was actually in because one of them is the director. Do you remember when they did break out of prison? The guy out of prison, and that's like why they let him off. I think one of them was the X-wing pilot that followed them and blew up the station that they were on. Oh, okay. So that's kind of why he's like, I know you. I definitely know you. You know what I mean? So, but I'm not 100% sure of that, but it seems like something Favreau would do. So, hmm. we'll see. I'm looking forward to more Mandalorian. So, yeah, Mandalorian's good. I like it. It's very good. I can't, can't wait to get some more fat. Yeah. Uh. Maybe Boba Fett has some eggs that Baby Yoda could eat or something. Oh, Mandalorian eggs. Oh, I did like, I mean, because we've been always when he's coming back on the speeder bike and the the guys try to rob him with the rope in the sand, the oldest trick in the book. Yeah. And uh, he ends up just, like, getting the better of them, and then he makes that, like, little guy fly around on the, the jetpack. Yeah, he like, makes the deal. He's like, anything you want, and he, like, gives him the jetpack. And then as soon as he took the jetpack off and gave it to him, I'm like, oh, this is this is a trap, you know? Like he he got him, you know what I mean? Did you just you didn't say it? Right. It's a trap. No, I don't say it like that. You say you gotta. Like no, but yeah, that's I was the same way too. So all around fun. Yeah, Mandalorian's been good so far this season. Mm-hmm. Not the out of nowhere surprise that last season was, but still very good. Right. Well, you know what? That was the the amazement of a baby Yoda. You know what I mean? I guess. Like, I really think that's what drove the first. I think this season is just as good as last season, but because everybody is like, now we have like baby Yoda fatigue, that it's not, it's not as in people's minds as amazing. That's all. I gotcha. All right, everyone. Thank you very much uh, for listening. Episode 528, Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network. The Lamborghini of Podcast Network.